Hello, welcome to Political Talk, the podcast where we want the truth, need the truth, and desperately seek the truth. For far too long, we've been led astray by news organizations that push their own agenda. The only agenda here is our agenda, the people's agenda. If you're tired of being told what to think, who to hate, then join me on this journey. Shall we begin? The Speaker of the House has put his party in a tough situation. The Speaker of the House has put himself in a box. Kevin McCarthy has promised things that he knows he can't deliver. Think about it. He wanted a job so much that he allowed a small fraction of his caucus to take him down a path to make promises, to tell them he would do things that he knows he can't deliver on. Abolish the IRS. Abolish the IRS. Think about it. He wants to abolish the IRS and create a 30% sales tax. Who does that hurt when you think about it? It hurts you, me. It doesn't hurt the rich people. And then it goes again to that that thing about how I used to tell my friend, the Republicans have a good record. They have a good story to tell. But when they come out with things like this, it shows that they're not for the middle class. They're for the rich. They're for the wealthy. Abolishing the IRS hurts you and me. It doesn't hurt their rich friends. It doesn't hurt corporations. I mean, it sounds good when you talk about it. It all sounds good, but when you break it down and you truly look at it, who does it benefit? You know, a lot of times politicians are scared to talk about things. They're scared to give details on things they want to do because they know if they give details, they allow the other side to come in and implant the details in. So they like to be vague. They want to be vague. They they don't want to say. Another thing that Kevin McCarthy has hurt himself on, the debt ceiling. You have the Senate right now, the Senate Republicans saying, no, 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 that is between you and the White House. You have the majority now. You said you want to cut. What did Kevin McCarthy come out and say? Social Security, Medicare is all off the table. The question I would ask is, what do you cut? You want to cut, but what do you cut? Republicans don't know. Because if they cut this, who do they hurt? You see, Republicans want to cut discretionary spending and not touch military spending. You can't do that. You need to have cuts across the board if you truly want to cut. It needs to be where everybody feels some pain. You know, when Obama was in power, well, I don't say power because I hate when you say that. When when Obama was president, he did, I forgot, it was us. He basically passed a budget bill where there was cuts across the board. And it was something where everybody got something, and everybody got something they didn't like. It wasn't popular. People didn't like it. But he took the, he basically hurt Republicans' message because they couldn't say, here's a president that wouldn't cut. Well, you had a Democratic president put everything on the table and cut it. But come along a few years later, you had Republicans. You had Republicans repeal the Budget Act because they said it was unfair and it was hurting the country. You see, you have a party that talks about cutting. You talk up, you have a party that talks about spending. But when Trump was in power, when Bush was in power, they have no problem with the spending and they have no problem raising the debt ceiling. I have said this and I've come to believe this. We need to take the debt ceiling out of Congress, and we need to put the debt ceiling where it needs to be with the Treasury Secretary. And if you do a simple fix where you will give the Treasury Secretary the power to raise the debt ceiling, but she is forced to go in front of Congress, 
and have them just sit there and and just talk about how bad she is and this country is ballooning and we need to get our spending under control. And then she goes back to where she uh, her office. You see, Republicans talk about the debt ceiling, but these are bills that we have accrued that we must pay for. These are the tax cuts, the Bush tax cuts, the Trump tax cuts. This is for all the COVID spending. You see, nothing is free in this world. We have to pay for it. But the question I would tell my Republicans, if you didn't want to cut under Trump and you were quick to pass a clean debt ceiling, you should be oh, you should be okay passing a clean debt ceiling now. I support us a clean debt ceiling. Why not pass a clean debt ceiling? What is the negativity of passing a clean debt ceiling? To just pay your bills. Oh, we have to cut. What? Because I think Kevin McCarthy has put himself in a box that he does not know what to cut. Because he was quick to talk about cuts and he allowed the Democrats to come in and talk about Medicare and Social Security. You know, the same thing that Democrats have been talking about for years. Republicans want to cut your what? Your Social Security. They want to cut all your entitlement benefits. It puts Republicans in a tight box because they know their voters depend on those entitlements. So if you cut those entitlements, you're not, you're not just hurting Democrats voters, you're hurting your voters too. So when you have those voters saying socialism, we need to get this spending and buying into that argument, the question you should tell them is, okay, let's cut Social Security. Let's cut Medicare. You would see a lot of them, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, see? Where do we cut? We need to revamp. We need to look at the Pentagon. We should look at discretionary spending. We should revamp our, our entitlement programs. We could do these things. But know why we choose not to? Because it is hard. You have people that care more about their seat, more about their job, more about their office than doing the hard job. Because doing the hard job requires them taking a stand. And if they take a stand, they know they might be in trouble in two years, in six years, in four years. We send you to Congress. We send you to the White House to do a job. So do it. We can look at the budget. Where do you cut? You know, if I was Joe Biden, if I was the president, I would have the budget, the nation's budget on the table, the resolute desk, and I would look at the speaker and I would say, tell me, what programs do we cut? Who do we hurt? You force him to take a stand. You don't want to pass a clean debt ceiling, even though you have the votes. Oh, he has the votes. But he can't because he knows if he passes a clean debt ceiling, he knows his gavel is up for grabs. He knows he will feel the heat from his right flank. We can do these things, but it requires us to say, fuck it. This is what I'm going to do. <coughs> Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, the country's spending is out of control, but it's out of control from both parties. Both parties have put us on this path. We can blame Democrats. We can say they spit like a sailor, but we also have to say Republicans have spit as well. No one has talked about spending forever. No one has talked about the deficit because if they talk about the deficit, they have to own up to what they've done. So it is okay to just spin, 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 print, 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 hoping for a different outcome. Ladies and gentlemen, he has put himself in a box. He has put his Republicans in a box. You have the Senate Republican just saying, this is what you've asked for. This is what you've asked for. You have control. This is between you and the White House. You have to do it. This is what you wanted. You've allowed that small fraction 
to tell you what to do. But guess what? That small fraction, a good majority of them, are in safe seats. You've got members of the caucus from Democratic-leaning districts who know if they take the wrong vote, they're gone. You are holding on to power by the skin of your teeth. You put your party in a box. And the question is, how do you get out of the box? That's what he has to ask himself. Because Mitch McConnell's not going to bail you out. The Democrats aren't going to bail you out. You see, the Republicans... You know, if I'm advising Mitch McConnell, if I'm no, I'm advising, if I'm advising Kevin McCarthy, I'm saying this. <clears throat> Let's say you get the White House to go along with some cuts you want. You know you still have to get it through a Democratic Senate. Do you have the votes? I think people don't realize that. They think, oh, we can do this. Every member in Congress is an independent contractor. They're all looking out for themselves, their best interest, first before they look at the country's best interest, which should be the other way around, but it's not. So we have to accept that. So Kevin McCarthy wants to pass these bills. He wants to push this <clears throat> far-right mindset, but he has to realize, can you get it through a, a Democratic Senate? Do you have the votes? Are you setting your party up for failure? Republicans right now could do something incredible. Republicans right now could reset the market on politics because the Democratic brand is tarnished. A lot of people don't care for the Democrats. Republicans can lean in to what they know. But they allow the crazies to come out and tell them, this is what you should do. This is how we should vote. This is the path we need to take. You know, I, I, one time I said to myself, I said, you know, they were talking about a mandate. Mandate. And I said, the president has a mandate because he was elected. And then I looked, I said, well, do the Republicans have a mandate, Mark? Because if you took that stance with, if you took that stance with the president, do you take that same stance with Congress? I say yes and no. I think Republicans have a mandate to a point, but they have a small mandate. You have to know your limitations. You have to know what you can do and what you can't get done. And I think you have a Republican coffer, coffer, Republicans in the House not realizing that they just don't have the votes. They've allowed themselves to be put in this box and they have to figure out a way to get out. Follow the Obama path. Put a budget on the, uh, put a, a bill on the floor that cuts everything across the board. It can be done. You want cuts? These are the cuts we'll give you. But I'm a firm believer in what? A clean debt ceiling. <coughs> My take is this. If you did it under Trump, you should be able to do it now. If you did it under the last guy who was your party bearer, you should do it now. Because I feel like they don't know what to do. Look at the debt ceiling. You know, it's us, it's us in another country that does this, you know, this, this ritual where we come up to and we have to, you know, dance around it. Oh, the debt ceiling, the debt ceiling. We're just making people look at America and saying, has America lost its way? 
Is America no longer that shining sea on the hill? This used to be a country that people looked to for guidance, for leadership. But our own politics has allowed us to be like everybody else. We can't get on one page. We can't get on one accord because we've allowed the fringes of our party to take control. And so we hurt our image. We hurt what we stand for. We hurt what this country truly believes in. Let's wouldn't it be great if we if we had the leadership of both parties sit down and truly solve this nation's issues? To me, it would be incredible. To me, it would be powerful. To me, it would be great. It would allow Kevin McCarthy not to be put in a box. It would allow Kevin McCarthy to be like a butterfly, to break free, to truly live out what the Speaker of the House is supposed to be, to be a leader and not be led, to stand up and not be stood on, to laugh and not be the laughing stock. Simple things requires Ladies and gentlemen, we, you know, the sad thing is we have politicians that want to play us like we're dumb. We have politicians that, you know, they prey on our stupidity. They prey on us not knowing the facts. They prey on us not knowing things <coughs> because when they talk about the debt ceiling, they talk about it like it's spending that we haven't done yet that we're getting ready to do. And so, you know, they're hoping that we believe that. But when you tell people, no, no, the debt ceiling is basically spending that we've already done, that we have to pay. Then it takes a new message. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and we were having this conversation about free speech and Facebook and I kept pushing, well, Facebook's a private company. And he wanted to tell me, no, it's a public company. And I said, no, <coughs> it's private. <coughs> they have shareholders, but we don't have a say. And he tried to think how the stock market, you know, gave, basically he got confused. And I had to say, we might not agree, but I just wish you thought a little bit. Don't buy into what they want you to buy into. Be smarter than they want you to be. They prey on us being stupid. They prey on us not knowing civics. And that's how they succeed because they tell us these things. Come on, guys. Kevin McCarthy has been put in a box and he does not know what to do. And he knows he has. Because what have they got done? Oh, they passed some bills, but they've been messaging bills. What's the one thing you keep hearing? We keep hearing about Hunter Biden. Senator Blackburn, tried to make some case about how, you know, Hunter Biden was using his name to enrich himself. And then you read the comments where people said, well, you didn't know about Trump, uh, Ivanka, uh, uh, Trump's kids? <coughs> you know, they don't want to talk about that. Everybody knows the Hunter Biden thing's a non-starter. Everybody knows that he used his last name for the job. That's the American way. But people who don't know that some people know in America, people get jobs because of their name. They're so far detached. They don't work the ground floor like me and you. I knew Hunter Biden used his name for a great job he wasn't qualified for. Did I hate him for it? No, no, and neither should you. 
Did you hate Trump's? Did I hate Trump's kids because they all got jobs that they weren't qualified for, but because their last name was Trump, they got a great job? No. That's their father. That's the American way. But if we allow what people do when they're in those positions and try to desperately, desperately, <coughs> desperately try to get some line, draw some line that says, well, he was corrupt, which makes you corrupt. Well, you've got to draw me a line. You've got to show me facts. Ladies and gentlemen, don't, I pray, don't allow them to play us like we're fools, like we're idiots, because we're not. We're not idiots. We're not dumb. We are better than this. Kevin McCarthy is in a box and he knows it. He knows people have him by the fucking balls. He knows that his time of speaker could be, could end tomorrow. He takes Medicare and Social Security off the table because he knows Democrats were gaining steam with it. He saw the polls. He saw the internal polling. Where do you cut, Kevin? He knows. He knows that it will all be on him if we default. You know, there's some people in the caucus who believe we'll be fine. Let's just jump over the cliff. We'll be fine. Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll be fine if we just cut. I'm a firm believer if we go over the cliff, <coughs> America, whew, I hate to see it. I hate to see it. Our currency could lose its world standing. I hate to see it. We need to get our house in order. We need to get our house in order. But we can do it. You know, I would I would respect Kevin McCarthy if he did this. If he showed a backbone, if he showed leadership, if he said, you know what, we need to cut. And I'm proposing a bill, and he waved it on the House floor that says we cut 10% from every agency across the board. A 10% cut across the board. And if we pass this, I'll put a debt ceiling on the, ta on the, on the floor today. I would respect him. Because who is waiting in the wings? Who is waiting in the wings for speaker? That's the issue that they had two weeks ago. They didn't have anybody to challenge Kevin. <coughs> but if Kevin showed kahunas, if he called their bluff, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Leadership, balls, cojones. But you got to put something on the table. You got to tell us what cuts you want to cut. You just can't say you want something. And when people inquire, what do you want? You can't tell us. You can't put it all on Joe Biden because Joe Biden has told you what he wants. He wants a clean debt ceiling. Mitch McConnell has said it's all on you, Kevin. It's between you and the White House. My hands are clean. And he knows that. Think about, think about this. Think about wanting a job Think about this. Think about this one job you've always wanted. The job you've always wanted is pristine. Comes with this great office, this great pay. You know, everybody's had it. People are remembered. You get your picture on the wall. The pay is great. People treat you good. You come up for it one time, you lose it. 
Then when you finally get it the second time, because people say now you're qualified for it, you finally get it. But you get the job at the skin of your teeth. The people on the board of this great job you've got don't like you. And you had to appease them so much to get the job. And now you're sitting at the head seat. And the nation and, the, and this company's bill has come due. And you must pay it. But the board doesn't want to pay it because they say, we don't want to pay it unless you do this, 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 this and this. And you know that if you do what's right for the company so the company can, can to succeed, you could lose this great prestigious, prestigious job you've wanted your whole entire life. But you know if you follow their path, it's going to be rocky. It might not get done. But you know, at the end of the day, it's all on you. That's the issue. Republicans can spin the debt ceiling any way they want, but they have to realize no matter what happens, it's going to be all on them. Now you might say, wait a minute, Mark, what about the president? Yes, I, I think the president will get some blame, but I think Republicans in the House will get majority of the blame. Because you can have a president who can says, we wanted a clean debt ceiling. We wanted a clean debt ceiling. We sat down with the speaker. We were willing to hear what cuts he wanted. But we couldn't go along with it. Sometimes doing what's right takes guts. Sometimes doing what's right takes balls. Sometimes doing what's right takes kahunas. Sitting in that seat in that boardroom, I would tell that CEO, follow your gut. Don't listen to the board, the people on the board who are telling you and pulling you one way. Follow your gut. I'd look him in the eyes. I said, I can see you're in a box. I can see the stress in your eyes. You're wanting to smile to me right now, but I can see the stress in your eyes. <coughs> but follow your gut. Do what's right for this country. Do what's right for this co this company. Will it could it cost you your seat? Possibly. But if you do what's right and you make the case to the American people. <laughs> oh, I say the American. If you make the case to the American people, if you make the case to the people of this company, you have nothing to worry about. You know? You have nothing to worry about. Another factor where I think he's put himself in a box is trying to kick off these members from these this these boards, these committees. Trying to make a case for it when it's hard to make a case and getting pushback from it. You know, Omar, I think when we get to the point where we're kicking members of Congress off committees because we don't agree with what they did, why they were in the majority, what they did when they were in their, pres their, their private life, what they did, what they said, why they were in office, I think it sets up this, I think it sets up, I think it sets up this, what do I say? I think it sets up a precedent that should not be repeated. And that's wrong. Because if the Republicans do it today, who's to say the Democrats don't do it next time? And then it becomes this tit for tat. Now you have Republicans crying foul when, say, Jeffries takes the gavel. 
and members of the Democratic caucus are wanting to pull off some of the Republican members. <coughs> what will the Republicans say that don't agree with it? Because they can go on Sunday shows when that happens and say, well, this is wrong. And you'll have the Sunday speaker or the Sunday host say, well, when you were in power, you kicked so-and-so off. Why is it, oh, why was it okay then, but it's not okay now? That will be the question that they will have to answer. Swaldwell, Schiff, Omar, Santos. Those names are members of Congress. The first names I named are members that got kicked off committees because of their past sayings, their past doings. They're being punished. I watched today on uh, one of the Sunday shows where they had Swaldwell, Shift, and Omar on, and they made their case why they shouldn't be kicked off committees. They made their case why they felt like it was politically motivated. They made their case, uh, hopefully to the American people, or the people that, like me, watch Sunday shows. To me, did I feel like it was a good case? I felt like Eric Swaldwell made a good case because he laid out his case. He said there was intelligence on him in his situations. Republicans knew. Trump knew. The chairman of the board knew. But they did nothing about it. So to me, when he made that case, it takes Republicans' steam from him a little bit down. Shift. He's being punished because of what he said in this miss, what he said about the Trump collusion with Russia. I think it's like I said, it sets up a dangerous precedent because if you start going after a member of Congress because of what he said while he was in power, and then when he's not in power and his party's in the minority, it sets up a dangerous precedent. Because they can say, well, you knew what you were saying was a lie, but you still pushed it. Maybe it wasn't a lie. Maybe it was the truth. But maybe it got twisted. I mean, do we really know? I don't. If he knew what he was saying was wrong. That would amount for him believing that. How do I say it? I, it, would, it would amount that he knowingly said falsehoods to push a narrative to get the duly elected president out of the White House and make us think that he was corrupt, crooked, and shouldn't have gotten the seat. But now I ask the Republicans, when we look at Santos, he's been placed on committees. Here's a man that knowingly has lied. He lied about his money. He lied about being uh, dressing as a woman. But Republicans say it's okay for him. We have to put him on a board. You see, it takes a, a, a member like that in your caucus, it takes the steam away from your argument saying, well, threes, three members do not deserve to be on the committees. Because if you truly were trying to set up this place where you had everyone holding a certain line, being a certain way, you wouldn't have Santos on a committee. You would keep him off until... The investigations have gone its course. But you see, he cannot because he needs Santos. He has a slim majority. And he knows if he puts his weight behind getting Santos pushed off the board, getting his weight pushed behind Santos to get him kicked out of Congress, he's risking that seat flipping to the Democrats. I think Kevin McCarthy, like I said, he put himself in a box. He allowed a fragment of his caucus to tell him to do these things. Now, 
we don't have to like what Schiff did. We can say, well, Schiff knowingly lied about Russia when there was no there there. But we can't truly say that because if we go to that point, Republicans wouldn't allow us to look and see if there was no there there because they were so adamantly trying to defend Trump. So it never got to the point where we could truly see Squall was being punished because what? He had an affair with a, a Chinese nationalist? He got caught. He got figured out. You know? Did he trade secrets? Did anything come of it? Or are we just saying he shouldn't be on a board because he used bad judgment when he met a pretty woman and he did things with her? If that's the case, how many men in this country would be punished? How many men in this country would be out of jobs if we allowed pretty women to lead us astray? Omar has said things about Israel that we don't agree with. But then if we break it apart, maybe she said things that she believes. Maybe she said things that she believes and she was grown up to believe that maybe we we had to say to her, no, this is where we stand in this country when it comes to Israel. You see, the question I would also say is this. We don't want, when it comes to Israel as a country, our politicians don't want to talk about it because they know if they talk about Israel, they risk losing that voting block of the Jew, the Jewish communities. I think if you see a friend doing wrong, you should be able to criticize that friend without worry of being deemed something maybe you're not. Today I read that the Jewish, that Israel attacked Iran. To me, that's a, to me, that's a non-starter. That's something that we should look at. That's something we should question because that could lead us into a war with Iran. But we can't talk about Israel. So because we can't talk about Israel, we don't want politicians talking about Israel because then we'll say, well, you're uh, anti-Semitic and you hate all Jews. But we don't want to educate maybe somebody like Omar who grew up a certain way from us. You see, that's what makes America great because we're this big melting pot. I think you should question Israel. I think what she said, some stuff she said was wrong and nasty and wrong and, and just plain, oh. But that's where the education comes in. That's where you come in and you reset the boundaries on certain things. But I think Kevin McCarthy, by playing this game of we should kick these three members off the board, but this guy who's a knowing liar, he's okay to sit <clears throat> on a committee. I think that is wrong. I think that is wrong. And I think at the end of the day, Republicans in the House know it's wrong. You set up a dangerous precedent that will come and bite you in the fucking ass in two, if not four, years. Because I think some members truly believe that they will always be in the majority. But one day there will come a time when you have to sit in the minority. And when you sit in the minority, you'll be forced to do things that you won't, don't want to do and you'll be forced to pay for all the stuff you did while you were in the majority. The Democrats are being forced to pay for what they did while they were in the majority. And Republicans will find out in two, if not four years. Being in a box isn't fun. But like I've said, taking a stand, showing balls, showing the American people, this is the truth. Taking a stand, pleading your case. And I think that's something that he will struggle with because I don't think he can make his case of kicking these three members out. Because I know it makes him look bad. You know, we look at Santos, it's almost like 
the last couple of weeks, when we look at stories at him, he's playing with the media. He's almost toying with them. He's almost goading them to investigate him further. Now, I will be honest. I think when the investigations come out, I think there will be some there there, but I think it will be small. I think it'll, it won't be what we want it to be. I think when it comes to Santos, like I've said, there are more questions than answers. But for the people and for the caucus that don't like him, if you did not do your due diligence, if you did not research this candidate and you just voted for him because of the name, the R, the D, then you're just as wrong as him. I think you have to own up to it. Because I think if you truly want him gone, I think in two years you can get your wish. But the two years while he sits in Congress and he sits in that seat, you know, there's nothing you really can do. Because you didn't do your research, you want people now to fix your mistake. I think Kevin McCarthy doesn't want to touch it because he knows it's a tough subject and it puts him in a tight spot. But if you go after those three members because you want this caucus, that you want it to be pure, you want it to be a certain way, I think having Santos in your caucus takes that away, takes that steam away. And it's not good. It is not good. Was Governor Abbott right? Was Governor Abbott right? Think about it. Governor Abbott got a lot of flack. And I'm one who, de who didn't agree. When he started transporting immigrants to New York, to, D uh, to D.C., a lot of people said he was wrong. A lot of people said what he was doing was humane. But the other day I watched on the news where, you know, the mayor of New York City said they had to open up a fourth, you know, facility to house, the, to house these immigrants. And it was almost like he was pleading for help. And I started thinking, you know, when Texas was crying out and saying we need help, we're being overrun. We need help. You had Democratic cities saying, no, you need, to, you need to hold the line. You need to just let them in. And saying proudly under the Trump administration, we are sanctuary cities. I think when Governor Abbott said, well, if you're sanctuary cities, if you think these people should come into this country, let's let them in. I think when you take that line, you have to accept the consequences. Because if you are a city who says, you know what? I don't think what the, the, uh, the Trump administration is doing right on immigration. I don't agree with it. But we're not a sanctuary city. But we also think that there should be laws. And there's a wrong way and a right way to come in this country. I think that's the stance you should take. Because I'm a firm believer that there is a right way and there's a wrong way to come into this country. And I think Governor Abbott was showing us. Because you've got the mayor of New York, a Democrat, who's now open, having to open a fourth facility, and is probably going to Washington and saying, hey, we need help. We've got a Congress that does not want to act on immigration, but hides behind an executive order that Trump did, Title 42. They would rather have the Supreme Court step in and pass immigration policy than they pass immigration policy because it's easy to have someone else do the hard task for you. Is that sad? Because I thought about it, I said, you know, maybe Governor Abbott was right. Maybe now the Democrats are having to see what he saw. Maybe now the Democratic cities are having to feel the pain and struggle of what, you know, those Texas cities by the border are having to go to. You know, immigration is something where we can get right. We can fix it. But it just takes us 
taking a hard vote, taking a hard stance, doing something that we don't want to do because we know if we do it, we put ourselves on record and we risk the chance of losing our seat. Because God forbid we lose our seat in Congress. God forbid we are forced to do something. We're forced to say something. We're forced to do a policy that we ran on. Me, you, you, we could sit down tonight and come up with an immigration policy. It's not hard. It's not hard. But it just takes, it just takes a caucus, a Congress, an administration willing to do something that is hard. Not hiding behind an executive order that can easily be overturned where you force the Supreme Court to do your dirty work for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we can do it, but we choose not to. So next time you want to give Governor Abbott heat, you want to say he's at fault, you want to say that he's spending $12 million of Texas Texas. Uh, tax money on this policy that is stupid, maybe look at what he's doing. Maybe he's trying to draw, show the American people what's truly going on in this country because we want to turn a blind eye and we don't want to face it. And maybe that's what's wrong. Maybe if we truly face the nation's immigration issues in this country, maybe we could force where they're coming from. You know, when members of the left want to talk about why these members, these people are coming into this country, you've got people on the right who don't want to talk about it. They rather rather just expel them. And I can understand that. But I think if you truly want to get to the root cause, you have to sit down with these people and you have to figure out what brought you to America. What are you running from? Because nobody wants to leave their house. No one wants to leave their home. You gotta imagine these people's mindset was all about making their family, giving their families a better life. So we have to ask ourselves, what made you risk everything? What made you put everything on the line to come to this country? What? I think when we do that, I think to truly fix this nation's immigration issue, you have to pass a bill where you tackle that. You tackle border control. You you factor in refixing the nation's asylum laws. You see, Republicans don't want to pass a big bill. They want to say, well, we need to enforce the bills, the laws on the books. I can see that. We do need to enforce the laws on the book. But if you want to get buy-in from the other side and you truly want to fix the nation's immigration issue, you have to see where the people are coming from. You have to figure out how you can make their life better to help, not make, but help them make their lives better in the countries they have left. Once you fix that piece, then you add in refixing the asylum piece. Let's fix the asylum laws in this country. Let's make it harder for you to claim asylum when you've come through Mexico, when you've come through Brazil. There's no way you walk through those countries, you get to my door and you say, I want to claim asylum. No, it shouldn't work like that. It should be a little harder because if if you are a person who's trying to give your family a better life, the first door you come to, you would say, help me. You could give two shits about who's behind the door. You just say, help me. Third, more money for border patrol. More money for border troll. Give bonuses. Let's bring people to the field. Let's strengthen the border patrol. Let's give them power that they don't have. Let's talk to them. Let's revamp the laws. And I think if you do those three things, I think a fourth thing also, and I am a firm believer in this, you set up in the Justice Department, an immigration court. 
We have judges who, judges and lawyers, where their one job is to set up shop on the border and just do these cases. <coughs> and you knock it out quick. That's your job. A judge, two lawyers. Plead your case. Why are you here? I want asylum. You want asylum? Did you pass New Mexico? Yes. Did you ask for asylum there? Uh, no. I'm sorry, you got to go back. Because the only way I would refix the asylum law, I would do that. But I would also add in, if you go to Mexico and claim asylum, and you've got proof that you've claimed asylum, and they refuse to help you, then, only then, America will help you. Also, if you add in that law, make a pathway to citizenship. Make it, make it so when people have done everything right, checked off every single box let's make let's let's make a pathway so they can become an american citizen but we've made it so hard that they can't maybe governor abbott was right maybe it just took our democratic cities for us to see it Strange, huh? 50 years. 50 years. Can you imagine wanting something for 50 years? Can you imagine standing something 50 years? Can you imagine believing in something for 50 years, finally getting it? The March for Life just celebrated their 50th anniversary. And under this 50th anniversary, they've got the one gift that they've been marching on for 50 years. The overturning of Roe versus Wade. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the jubilation, the, the pride that you felt or you, you feel? Can you imagine the people that started out on this Germany who believe that a woman should have a baby, that abortion is wrong? What they thought, that it might never ever get overturned to finally now getting overturned? It's amazing. I think the biggest caveat now that they're finding is because now it's moving to the states. I think people have evolved. And I think when people talk to your face or they talk to their friends, oh, I think abortion is wrong, are quick to go behind that door and vote that a woman should have a right to choose. And I think that the right to life people are realizing that not everyone shares your insight on abortion. Look at Kansas City. You had people from a state that is red as a don't know what think that if they put this amendment on the ballot, and if they put it on the ballot this day, that they would be easy to win. And they quickly found out that there are people who aren't Democrats, probably in their whole life will never vote Democrat, strongly believe that a woman should have the right to choose. <clears throat> so now you have a right to life having to struggle or accept that because now you have state politicians who probably for years gave lip service to this movement, talked about it, pushed for it. But when the Rubber met the road, really weren't going to do much for it. And now that it has actually happened, are struggling with it because they know that if they take this stand, if they say women should be forced to have a baby in their state, they could lose their seat because the people on the floor don't like it. You know, Wisconsin won't even allow it to be on the ballot where the, the people of Wisconsin have to decide about a woman's right to choose because they know if they put it on the ballot, they might not get the outcome that they want. So you have politicians refusing to release this. You know, even though they said, let the state, let the people decide. 
politicians don't want the people to decide because the people that decide might not decide the way they want. Think about it. They might not decide the way they want. So you're having the right to life people who for years were given lip service, who finally got something overturned, and now is sitting in the states, are now facing roadblocks, right now are facing politicians who don't want to do what the right to life people want them to do, because guess what? They want to keep their jobs. They want to keep their cheers. We can all think something is wrong. We can all think something is wrong, but when we're forced to put our name behind it, we might run into people who don't agree with us, who don't think like us. And that's where we go wrong. So for 50 years, they took this stance. For 50 years, they believed in something. But they, while they were fighting for this one policy, they didn't realize that people's mindsets were evolving, were de more developing in a different way than them. And I, so I think the right to life people have to take a different stand. For years, they made it about being anti-abortion. But at the same time, they never made the case for why you should have the baby. We live in a country where we don't take care of life once it's here. We bitch and complain and moan about it. Because that was the argument that the left started to make, and I really started to think about it. We want you to have your baby. We want you to have your baby. But once the baby's here, the government turns its back on it. We don't pass bills to help young mothers out. We don't supply child care. We don't supply diapers. We say it's all you. So we can't be surprised when a young mother is just starting out, knows she cannot afford this baby. We, we don't support new mothers. We don't support new families. And I think that's where the right to life people went wrong for so long. They never made the case. They never pushed for legislation that would fix these issues. Because had they did those things, had they did just a little bit of that, maybe we'd be having a different story. Maybe we'd all be diff thinking differently. I mean, in some states, we do have pregnancy centers. But the question is, how far do they go? Child care is expensive. Diapers are expensive. Formula is expensive. But no one comes to their aid. And now you have new families, mothers struggling just to get by. Can't miss a day of work because they know if they do, they hurt their families. They did not make the case. They made a one term case and now they are realizing as it goes to the states as this message shifts they're realizing that a lot of politicians don't want to touch it because they don't have the votes we've got pharmacies now allowing people to take the abortion pill that's the next fight where we're going wrong in this country where we're going wrong in this country is we're allowing a small fraction to tell us what to think and what to believe. Well, I don't like this book show. It shouldn't be here. I think abortion is wrong, so everyone should think it's wrong. We're not allowing people to think freely. We're not allowing people to be butterflies, grow, and explore. We're doing the growing and exploring for them. That's what's wrong. Have they made that case? I think Democrats will run, and they should run on abortion. They should challenge the people that they run against. Where do you stand? Because people who vote in the next in the 2024 election <coughs> should be asked, will you push anti-abortion policies? Put them on a stand. That's what they should do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Kevin McCarthy is sitting in a box. 
Sometimes we can put ourselves in a box because we're so, we're so busy trying to appease others that we don't realize by appeasing others we're hurting everyone else. And we don't realize that the small fraction that we're trying to appease because we know that if we don't appease them, it could cost us everything. Well, I'd rather lose everything than to have something. Because having something, we have to ask ourselves, is it really worth it? Is it really everything I thought it would be? And I think if we ask Kevin McCarthy, he might give us an answer we weren't expecting. That's why you don't want to be put in a box. Kevin McCarthy's in the box. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please, whatever you do, do not get put in a box. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. Have